and welcome back to Reality 2.0. I'm Catherine Brockman. I am talking today to Doc Searles and Kyle Rankin and Sean Powers. So you get four of us today, which is really fun. You probably know who these people are, but if you don't, you can read up on, well, I guess all of us at reality2cast.com. You can also do a lot of other things like subscribe to our newsletter that we send out occasionally. And uh, yeah, and find our links and, and all the stuff that we're talking about. So with that, today we have some thoughts on some recent Apple news, as usual. I feel like we talk about Apple a lot lately, but, but there's a lot to talk about, so that's fine. So Apple came out with this big announcement that they are going to, for the first time ever, start providing, selling, um, iPhone parts and iPhone repair manuals, which is a huge thing because previously only Apple or their authorized repair companies could repair your stuff and you know individuals couldn't repair their own iPhones which has been a point of contention for a lot of people for a long time so this is big news it's probably not all you know sunny and roses and <laughs> and happy right to repair but we'll get more into that yeah I call BS I just pointed yeah, out okay there. I was I'm like okay Sean can you call BS now okay great cool let's move on no let's not move on let's dig into that get because- BS on the phone um, a lot of us here are Apple users. A lot of one one of us is probably not. <laughs> but, um, but he's probably stabbed some with his. But we love him more for I it. Um, he probably grows them organically in his garden, though. That is like, true. And yeah. like I makes a did. fine liqueur. Yeah, yeah. Artisan <laughs> apples. Yeah, oh well, yeah, those kind of apples. Yeah, do you make your own uh, apple liqueur? That's that's. I mean, uh, anyway, once we, we get a big enough harvest, later. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole thing. Um, so yeah, so Sean, well, let's let, let's let's go back to the bullshit, <laughs> the calling <laughs> yeah, so, of it. Okay, so I mean, if, if you read up on what they're actually doing, the only thing that I think is significant is the idea of releasing manuals uh, about how to do them, uh, because you can buy some limited hardware from them directly now, but the hardware is priced at the same level as having them yes. repair it for you so <laughs> you can buy the parts and very likely screw it up yourself or you can pay them to do it completely so i i think that's bs really that's why i think the the manuals are the significant part because you can get third-party products which of course they don't want you to do and they've never allowed you to do or whatever uh, but third-party products with the Apple official manual is probably the only significance in the in the day-to-day running of things, in my opinion. No, there's I a have... long history of not being able to repair Apple stuff. I mean, I have stories from back in the day. I mean, if I don't know how old people are here, but if you had to repair like a, a Mac SE 30, which is like the they look like little square bread boxes back in the day, you had there's a special tool. I mean, it's legendarily called the Mac Cracker. Uh, because <laughs> you could not open them. They had a, a tunnel to get to the screw that was like, you know, 18 inches long. And so you had to get this like specialty welded Torx head driver with like an 18 inch handle and then a special spludge tool on the back end. And it was That's crazy. Wild. So, I did not know Yeah, that. repairing Apple things has always been like like a mystical uh, kind of thing that you you did outside of Apple's blessings. And I think Apple's only blessing it so that you buy their products direct and it's just, I don't know, BS. I call BS. Well, so I had a, I had a question. Uh, when I was looking at some of this, it, it seemed to indicate that they, I mean, I know that Apple does a lot of hardware verification and like hardware backed 
a cryptographic attestation on hardware replacements, uh, at least to some degree. I know that they certainly do it for accessories. And I, from what I was reading on this, it seems like if you get it, one of the things that makes it an authorized repair part is that it will pass this handshake. Mm. Yeah. And I'm and also assuming more that- more than that. Yeah, well, and, yeah. So my question is that maybe expand on that. And I was also wondering, so I guess that, assume, that also means if you decide, I don't want to pay full price for this part, I want a replacement, you're going to get some sort of pop-up or some sort of thing nagging you that it's not authorized? Or what, what, is the, what does the user see if they decide to repair it themselves without an Apple part? Yeah, I, I can yeah. answer, but Catherine, go ahead if you have an answer. Well, no, I was going to say that one of, one of the, the, the elements of this is that it, it is not, you, you are not allowed to, let's say, officially, um, harvest parts from an old device. Yeah. Like you can't, mm -hmm. if you have a bunch of old iPhones or, or you know, if your, your spouse has cracked their screen beyond repair, you cannot harvest, you know, parts from that other device yeah, even to repair that because Apple. of this. Yes, yeah. it doesn't. It's, it can be an you know a brand new you know device, but you you can't just reuse. You have there is a verification process to to make sure yeah, and, that you are buying a brand new replacement part. And it's not clear to me if that if that official process where it has to be a brand new serial number and you're replacing another serial number, if that's to keep your warranty intact, I'm not sure. It might be that because they they have historically had um, you know this is not uh, an authorized part in your system pop-ups, but I have not heard of that for quite a number of years on Apple products. Um, the The latest one was you couldn't turn on trim on SSDs that weren't um, Apple installed OEM SSDs, you know, like the trim garbage collection stuff with, with SSD drives. Um, you could not enable that at all on OS X unless you hacked and used uh, unverified firmware, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I, I I don't think that you're going to get pop-ups if you use unauthorized parts. If so, I call stinky BS on the whole thing because mm -hmm. it's not that bad now. So if they if that starts to happen, oh, this right to repair that they're doing is making things a hundred times worse. Do you think it's possible that they can't keep up with it? I mean, in other words, like we're going to offload some of this to our customers because we don't have enough people. We don't have enough. People I think it's all BS. No, I, just, I, think I think it's the FTC. Reason. Yeah, I think it has a lot about monopolistic stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, they, they were made to do it pretty much. I mean, that not that the case? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that this is just to make themselves look like they're being compliant because yeah. it costs the same amount to have them fix it for you. So why would anybody actually do this? Doesn't make because any sense. you don't want them to have your naked selfies. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, obviously, right? I've, <laughs> and I ask this genuinely. This isn't sarcasm. Has anybody here ever replaced an iPhone screen? No. Uh, I've never broken Joyce one. Joyce has had, well, she's had it replaced. No, I mean, at like least personally. twice. No, I've never they, replaced one. No, I wouldn't even. They are a it. nightmare. I, I've replaced probably a dozen of them. And I vowed I would never replace one again. Because, wow. and they're worse now than they used to be. They're just, they're just horrible to install. And I mean, I've gotten to the point where it's like, oh, it's finally in. And I like you know, mush it down so that it's seated perfectly well with the heated glue with you have to do with the heat glue gun and all that stuff only to have the brand new screen crack because I missed a micron of old broken glass somewhere in a bevel somewhere. And I just, oh yeah, I'm never doing it again. I don't care. I don't wow. care if it's half price for a screen. I'm never doing it. Wow. Well, yeah. And that's so another, that's another part of testimony. This. Well, in, when we talk of, you know, there's, there's a big, push rightly so for right to repair. And so this all still sort of addresses the right to repair, which is the company won't 
actively sue you or actively make it impossible for you to repair your own stuff. But of course, that's just sort of the beginning, right? Because then there's also the the ability to repair, which follows after that. So it's one thing if if you technically are allowed to, it's another if it's so impossible to to do or, you know, another part of it was not being able to get repair parts, but if you can get repair parts, it's so impossible to do that you, and you need specialized equipment and everything, you know? So you don't de facto have, you have the right, but you don't have the ability. And that's again, why I call BS on the whole thing, because there's no reason to do it yourself at this point. If you could buy prices at wholesale price from Apple, maybe, but since they're not letting you do third-party stuff, they're forcing you to buy new parts with new serial numbers to install on your machine. It's it's just it's ridiculous. They're going to they're going to market it as though they're, you know, so right to repair friendly, but even the spirit of, you know, like Kyle you're mentioning like yes, even if you don't do it, you have the right to do it. it, it it's not even that because they're if anything they're profiting off people who want to try to do it, right? I mean, if it takes me two screens to replace it, because I don't want anybody to see my naked selfies, to quote Catherine. Um, <laughs> it, it, they're going to make more money on people who are, you know, repairing their own crap. I don't know. It's I, I'm very it's just a whole new way to get screwed. I guess. Yeah, I, I'm just not impressed at all. Well, you have to. You also have to. I mean, and there's a. They mentioned that they are going to start considering repairability in their design, but that's another part of it. Is machines the way that most machine consumer devices today aren't really even repairability is not a factor in, in the design at all, you know, beyond, even beyond iPhones, but like your average computer now, how many pieces are soldered on that you used to be able to replace yourself? Exactly. Like and RAM. yeah. And it's to the point now where, I mean, most of our technology is disposable in general. I mean, repair it, I guess, if it's broken, but like upgrading and stuff is rarely done or far more rarely than it used to be. You know, by the time you want to upgrade your computer, you might as well get a new one, you know, I don't know. Well, it's oh, I mean, it's obviously to the vendor's advantage to make it that way, yeah, of course, exactly. because I mean, I can think of a number of computers that I got an extra couple of years out of just because part of it was fine. And then I needed either, you know, faster storage, more RAM or whatever it was at the time. And we're talking right. laptops, you know, back when you could replace RAM and disk on your laptops, which, you know, some you still can, but many, you can't, many, Not it's many. all soldered in. And yeah. if, if you decide you run, if you run out of space, it's like with a phone, your choice is, I guess I need to get a new one and throw this one away. Yeah, it's just like phones no longer take micro SD cards for storage. That just breaks my heart. Who wants to be limited to whatever storage comes with it? Nobody, but every vendor, you know, quit supplying that ability to have cheap add-on storage for things like I th- videos. I thought some of the Androids did it. Do, do, do the phones you make, uh, Kyle, do that? Yeah, we have a micro SD card. There I mean, but, but we also have like replaceable Wi-Fi cards in a modem. So it's it's like a different and yeah. there's a different it's a different type of focus because I, our I was focus say, was on yeah, repairability. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole. Kyle's in a, a different class, you know, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. when it comes to it, that sort of a thing. So I don't. I mean, our laptops, phones, our laptops have have screw screws on the bottom that you can unscrew too, and you can replace it's the true. ring yourself. I, you know, it's like with I've weird things mine. like that. <laughs> Real screws. That's cool. Yeah, real screws. Like Phillips head screws, even. You don't even have to. I have seen the guts of my Librem 15. I've seen them with my own eyes. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Yeah, we're actually, I mean, never mind. I was going to do a peers and thing, but we're actually working on making that more repairable. Like everything that we're doing now, as we're able to, we have more resources to look into this sort of thing. We're trying to make parts more prevalent and easier to repair stuff. Because like you said, it's, it's a pain 
to have some, I, the, the amount of waste in consumer electronics is just shameful, really. Are you, uh, are you announcing a merger between you and Lego? Because that would be great. <laughs> that would be amazing. Mm -hmm. That would be amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Harry Potter themed purism laptops. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I would be into that maybe. I don't know. <laughs> pseudo make me a sandwich, not pseudo make me a sandwich. Yeah, right. <laughs> that was some, that was some complex humor there. Sorry for anybody yeah, that didn't get it. That's uh, <laughs> some of the listeners. I'll include that link too. Well, and so going even further past on the right to repair, there's an, so let's say that we get, let's wave a magic wand to do a segue from your previous thing, um, <laughs> wave a magic wand. And now we do have repair parts. Now laptops and phones are designed in such a way and consumer electronics are designed with repairability in mind and you can get the parts and you can get the instructions to do it yourself. Okay, great. So we have that, but to me, that's only half of what makes computers break if that, uh, the other half is software. And most software is in an even worse state in terms of repairability because you can't access the source code for it. And so if you look at a piece of, if you get a computer or a piece of consumer electronics, let's take it and put it in a time capsule and come back to it 30 years from now, 50 years from now, even if the hardware works or if it doesn't, you can replace it. If there's a problem with the software, you're stuck. It's not like the software is going to, the company is going to be supporting that software at that point. I mean, if we're even talking five years from now, you're, it's likely not going to happen. And so if you have a problem with your, your thermostat, Let's say you have a, a smart thermostat, Let, even throwing away the requirement to be on the cloud. Uh, you know, let's assume that that's not even part of it. If you want to repair some bug that's in your smart thermostat 20 years from now, you won't probably won't be able to because you won't have access to the, the source code to do so. And that can even be the collective view. I mean, I, we're not, yeah. you know, I'm not going to actually fix my thermostat software but there's you know if there's a community of developers out there you know it's it's possible that if it were available they would so well just like a lot of people won't replace their phone's cracked screen either but if they have more than one vendor to choose from you know they might choose or you know their smart thermostat needs a motherboard replacement or whatever you know they may not be able to do it themselves but if if it's designed with repairability in mind, you would have experts with that skill set, both in hardware repair and software repair. So, I mean, I, I go back to, so I started collecting mechanical calculators. I find them really fascinating. So going back to really old repairable computers, these yeah, are all- win. That's older than my mm -hmm. SE30. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's, they're go all- back to fix your abacus. Yeah, they're all very repairable because it's all just gears and levers. One, there's no software, but but two, it's it was designed to be serviced and maintained, just sort of like the old ThinkPads were, where you could have five broken ThinkPads, and between them, you could make at least one or two working ThinkPads out of, out of all of it. It was just designed to be taken apart and fixed. And all of these me old mechanical calculators are the same way. I, I've half of the ones I've acquired don't work all the way. I know nothing. There's no repair manual. I know nothing about them, but you can take it apart and kind of poke around and figure it out and get them working again because they were designed to be serviced and be repaired and, you know, not be difficult to take apart. Um, you you but, and I can identify with Volkswagens, old Volkswagens being that same way. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And, and in that case, I mean, it's highly repairable because there was such a, there's such a movement of people fixing them themselves. You can get parts for anything that, that breaks on it and fix it yourself. And it's not, 
none of it's very challenging. The parts are cheap and readily available because repairability was from the beginning part of the design. Not to completely go off on a tangent, but so you, you're talking about cars and it reminded me of that Apple also announced today that they're, they're moving forward, I guess, with an autonomous vehicle. Really? Yeah, there was news. They're going into that arena and I'm just picturing, you know, you're talking about this, the, the easily reparable Volkswagen I'm imagining the, the Apple car. Like, how's that going to work? Well, well, even modern cars other than that. Yeah, I mean, I'm really, a lot of times when you talk about right to repair, the the main thing that comes up are John Deere tractors and the challenge of getting firmware. You have to get John Deere's permission to repair a modern tractor. So there's this big, there's this big um, uh, market for used John Deere tractors that are pre-software driven interface so that they can repair that. So farmers can repair them themselves without having to get John Deere's permission or get hacked Ukrainian firmware uh, loaded onto their tractor to be able to fix something that breaks and tractors break because they're being put to use, you know, but the same thing kind of goes for a lot of modern cars. A lot of those same software um, in many cases, in the name of security, there's a lot of you know hardware-backed software handshakes that go on with a lot of this equipment. And I, I mean, I'm personally not that cool with how much, maybe we've talked about this on the show before, but how much modern cars phone home and how much tracking yeah. Is, yeah. is sent to the, the car vendor right now. So I, right now, all of the cars that I happen to own, fortunately, are old enough that it sort of predates that mm-hmm. um, by at least a little bit. And it leaves me wondering if if my main daily driver were to fail and I'm looking on the market for a new car, would I even want it's sort of like if my smart if my yeah. TV fails, it's not a smart TV. Would I want to is, is there any option for me that doesn't have this at all? Or is it just a case of well, I have to go hack it or something? I think there's no option with the TV. I'm pretty sure all TVs now phone home. Um if they're t- if they're net connected, but I might be wrong about that. But you can uh, generally, yeah, generally I mean, you, you can, can turn just off not the thing them. that phones home. That, but even there, it's like turn off, turn off, uh, adver- you know, turn off personalized advertising. But you know, it it seems to leave open. Autonomous cars stuff. still scare the crap out of me, though. I mean, just on principle. Yeah, they should. <laughs> I, I I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but when I got a new car earlier this year, it has. I, I, I got like the base model, but it still has all these kind of fancy features where it tries to help you with things like steering, making sure you stay in your lane. And, and every yeah. once in a while, it'll do something like I was backing out of the driveway and it, and it, it, it slammed on the brakes for me because it detected that there was a car coming that I hadn't seen yet. And I mean, I think I would have seen it and I would have been fine, but, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a very, it, it's a strange thing to get used to. And I, I start questioning like, I don't know my decision to to buy a newer car. Actually, I, I had I, I had a GDPR notice. I literally there's a privacy policy pop up when when you when I first turned my car on. It's kind of a I don't know. It's there's a weird. Like, it's a weird. There's thing. a cookie in the glove box. Basically, yeah, not the right kind, sadly. Yeah. Unless I put it there, but um, <laughs> but yeah, it's a I mean, weird. That, it's a weird thing. It leaves me. I mean, I if I had to today, I, I would be tempted. You know, let's say that. 10 years down the road, we finally drive our family car into the ground, you know, and it, it, I can't, it's not worth replace. It's not worth repairing it at that point. Maybe I, I mean, I would be hard pressed to, to pick an, a modern one. I would almost be tempted to get a pre computer tracking 
car that at least doesn't have like phone home, um, GSM signals or whatever, uh, cellular phoning home yeah. just to, and, and then maybe electrify it or I don't know. I mean, that's the thing is I'm fortunately right now, I don't have to worry about that, but it's something that's always in the back of my mind that if I ever need to replace my car, would I like the current options? And it's and part of that's repairability too, you know, like we, like with the Volkswagen, you don't need to know anything about computers to fix them, but obviously, uh, for like Sean and myself who can fix computers and our Volkswagens, you know, a modern car, the computer side of it's not that big of a deal for us, but I mean, I imagine for a lot of other people, that's another hurdle they have to get over, uh, to repair, to repair their automobile, you know? And also, I mean, yeah, you say, you know, we're smart with computers, but I mean, new, you don't do anything with new car computers. They're, you know, they're black boxes. They're, yeah. You know, you, there's no right to repair anything. There's nothing to repair, right? I mean, you take it to a shop and they plug in it. I mean, it's it's freaky how much you can't repair or do anything to. Um, I mean, I'll be honest, it's hard to set the clock. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, yeah car, cars, I don't know. I mean, you know, you see the television shows where like, oh, somebody hacked it and they took over driving. I mean, that reality <laughs> is not that That's probably, yeah, distant. trivially easy. <laughs> yeah, I mean... You know, at the time where I'm thinking, you know, like 10 years ago, yeah, that was futuristic ridiculousness. But now there's cars that drive themselves. Supposedly, you're not, you know, you're supposed to stay awake while you do it. But I mean, how many YouTube videos are there of somebody in a Tesla sleeping while it's driving down the road? You know, um, yeah, I, I don't I don't trust Tesla to keep me safe from hackers. That's mm. Yeah. Well, the problem is, you know, I mean, just in terms of turning over control to a machine, it's operating in the real world where random crazy things happen, right? That the programming oh. isn't ready for. So Doc was just paid by by Facebook to say that, weren't you, Doc? That's yes. the real world. I've in the metaverse, everything is safe and you don't really get hurt. You should live <laughs> in the metaverse. <laughs> Metaverse. Never leave your house. Is. This is the metaverse. You guys look remarkably real. You really do. I have to say, you know. Fake it well, listening to it. this podcast, yeah. I, if you listen to this <laughs> podcast, uh, I mean, we're not going to hack you because we're just a recording. Yeah. Although, but maybe maybe it's three maybe it's of like, us are looking at each other, and uh, we appear to be real. Because the one internet, of us is not the internet. Real. It's is true. The, Kyle doesn't have video. Huh? Yeah. It's an audio thing. Nobody can see this anyway. We're just yeah. confusing people right now. They're like, what are you yeah. even talking about? Yeah, I always well. just assumed Kyle was just Times New Roman font. That's what his. <laughs> <laughs> it looks more like Helvetica, doesn't it? I, 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 I have I no idea. It's like Helvetica. <laughs> it's sans serif, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 if I were a font, I would not have serifs. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> I know. I actually, actually, I would be monospace, so it's fine. Oh, yeah, I believe yeah, you would be monospace. Courier. Because, I mean, you say you would be sans serif, but I said, you know, somewhere there's probably a family with a a daughter named sans serif and a son named serif. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that was and, the ser- and serif don't like it, Rock the Casbah. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, as long as we've gone off topic. Um, yeah, is this the part of the podcast <laughs> like, where I talk about boner pills? Because it seems like every, every, every podcast. single well, episode. Well, as well. We may be I mean, I, I was going to talk about alcohol, but I Maybe. mean, if you want to cover the boner pills first. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is this DIY, DIY boner pills or some other kind? 
Oh, there's a reason for all of this. I promise those of you who are listening and have completely, um, yeah, gotten very confused. Anyway, uh, so yeah, before we, we started recording, we were talking about making cocktails, making like fancy cocktails versus, you know, drinking our whiskey neat and stuff like that. And we were also talking about a book that we will include a link to in the description about basically that I think Kyle can explain it more, but breaking down the idea that any cocktail is just based on a ratio. It's a little sugar, a little, little booze, a little fruit, a little something like that. And, um, and so our segue yeah. is right to repair cocktails, right? Right I mean, to repair cocktails, DIY. Own. Yeah, fix DIY. your own. Yeah, here we yeah. go. DIY cocktails. And this Tell is why that you Kyle like really this book, knows. Kyle. Show up with yeah. your own tumbler and, uh, and fix things. We just really wanted to plug this book because we like the, the whole idea of it, or I do. So anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so, you know, I'm obviously biased because I know the person who wrote it very well. But yeah, I, the idea behind it is that if you look at all the cocktails that are tasty, for the most part, they follow a couple of common ratios. Um, like a, there's a couple like like tequila, like a margarita is a, is a three to one ratio and a Manhattan is a two to one ratio, things like that. And if you understand those really successful ratios and you look in your liquor cabinet and you can't make a particular cocktail because you're missing something. If you understand the ratios, you can substitute what you do have and make something that's equally tasty if you follow sort of the formula. And it works. So. And if you're lazy like me, you can also buy these really cute uh, mixology dice. I'll put a link to that too. But then you can just roll. <laughs> you don't have to and, read anything or figure out anything. And quite honestly, if you're even lazier, you can just pour whiskey into a glass and drink it. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's generally what I do. I because think, yeah, that's pretty neat. <laughs> I appreciated that, Kyle. That was good. And I'll be honest, I love, I love really tasty cocktails, but I make such bad cocktails. And I don't know why. I I even have the little, what is the little like a jigger, you know, where it has like the different measurement yeah, things jigger. in it. I do. Yeah. That you probably saw me flipping my hand back and yeah. forth. Yeah. Uh I still I don't know. I, I try to follow the directions and I just make a really bad tasting drink. I mean, after about three or four, they taste fine, but at that point, <laughs> doesn't really matter so. uh, maybe you just don't like cocktails i mean is that i possible? do though because when other you people do make when other them, people make them. Oh, yeah okay. it's me specifically i just like huh. i mean it's weird to say this uh and kyle you know um you don't have adult children when your children make alcoholic cocktails better than you that's a weird <laughs> place to be but like my daughter makes great gin and tonics <laughs> it's weird to ask your child to make that is well, That's next, if you're ever if you're ever in town, Sean, come by and I will make you. I'm particularly good at Manhattans. I make a particularly special <laughs> Manhattan. So um, drop on by. Road I, trip. Yeah. Invitation for anybody. Whenever you any of you anybody town, just knock on, on Kyle's door. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Every, everybody within the sound of the podcast. Yeah. My, my uh, wife, who has funny. co-owned a couple of bars and is very expert at making certain cocktails, uh, Negronis. Is our one, and um, but I don't drink, so I just—I mean, I drink. I have a sip of hers just to see how good it tastes, but I'm not allowed to have. I always thought uh, owning a bar would be fun, like a smallish bar. I just think that it, you know, that would be fun. Also, a bookstore, also coffee. Why not both? Mm. All three. All three. Yeah, I like that. I mean, you know, when whenever we travel abroad, it seems like all of the bars are coffee shops in the morning. So that's yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's true. There's a lot of that. Yeah. Does so, it make sense? I mean, they have all the, you, you throw an espresso maker 
in the bar somewhere and in the morning you make you make espresso for everybody and evening you make drinks yeah yeah. So the holidays are coming up. So the hungover. this is gonna this is this information is super valuable right now, is what I'm thinking. <laughs> oh, I, I recently so somebody on Twitter mentioned to me that um I should really try Jack Daniels Winter Jack. Have you tried this stuff? What is that? I no, have not. It. It's called Tennessee Cider. It's a Jack Daniels holiday special thing. Uh, I I'm not I don't remember who who recommended it to me. It's strange. It's like you seem like too much of a purist for that sort of thing. I think. Uh, I, I see. It, it, it's like the wine cooler of the whiskey world. It's mm. just a little strange in that mm. it's pretty weak. It's not super sweet, I guess. So I mean, it's it's not bad, but it's more like uh, it's like thirty proof. So I mean, mm. just basically like a tall glass with ice. I don't know. This sounds to me like when when so so. I don't know if we've talked much about this on the podcast, but I'm kind of a wine nerd a little bit. Um, this kind of sounds to me like when people who are not recommend things like, Ooh, there's this wine aged in whiskey barrels. And, and I like kind of throw up a little bit on the inside and that's kind of what that sounds like. It might be. Yeah. It's well, weird. On, yeah. on the flip side, if you do find anything made by Redwood empire, so they're somewhat local to me. And they make uh, mostly a couple types of whiskeys. They have a rye, a bourbon, and what they call an American whiskey. Uh, they have these little sort of looks like woodcutting prints on the label of different colors, depending on which type of whiskey it is. Everything they make is delicious, and it's relatively affordable, like 30 or $40 for a fifth for this type, for that level, for that yeah, level of whiskey. that's affordable for a fifth yeah, of any decent whiskey, yeah. Everything they make is fantastic, um, and all three of them. And so if you find those, get those. Can I complain a little bit that um, that with like shipping laws between states in the U.S. is really bizarre and you should absolutely complain yes. about that because it's ridiculous. And there's no rhyme or reason. It's just like some states can ship to other states and other states can't ship to some states. And it's so bizarre. It's like, the divided uh, states. It's, yeah, it's it's weird. <laughs> it is really weird. And then like I can't order something to my local whiskey or whiskey shop local liquor lick i haven't had any yet i promise uh order some to like my local whiskey and why do i keep saying the whiskey shop that's all i buy apparently uh, but <laughs> like some i can order online but i can't get it shipped to a local store it's so strange the laws are really really bizarre so i even if even if it's available kyle i might not be able to get it shipped to michigan here so that's that would be very sad yeah because it's if you can find that link though and send it, maybe we'll include it in the show notes here too. Cause I I'm always up for trying fancy, tasty whiskey. So, so now that we've completely segued into this, which I'm super happy about, quite frankly. So this reminds me of a conversation I just, I literally just had with somebody about how people who are kind of intellectually curious and nerdy about technology and, and that sort of thing. I also tend to be very nerdy about things like, for example, cooking, cocktails, wine, craft beer, um, uh, mechanical calculators. Like there's this whole thing where, you know, I know just us, this, this group of people here, we can get so nerdy about pretty much anything. I wonder why that is. What is it about cocktails and beer and wine that is so attractive you to can nerds hack like them. us? You can hack them. Yeah. Is, I, I, is I think just... we're lifelong learners, right? I, I think that's exactly all of us here. Is. 
We just yes. want to know all the things. We have to have all, yeah, all the information. I, I mean, that's really what drives, I have so many hobbies, um, a ridiculous number of hobbies. And what drives every single new hobby is that, well, that sounds interesting. I'd like to learn how to do that or what that is about or whatever, fill in the blank. And then the learning part of it is one of the most exciting parts of a new hobby to me is digging. Mm-hmm. Like right now, just this week, I'm going to start taking up weaving and what's fascinating to me about it is I want to learn how to do it, you know? And that's, I mean, I'm, I've been reading and doing all this research on it before I even have a loom. Uh, and it's just fascinating. So you said loom. So now I kind of verifies. I've heard you guys both say weaving several times, but I couldn't tell exactly what word you were saying, weaving or weeding, or I, I couldn't tell, but loom makes it clear. You're talking about like textiles, right? Making, making textiles. Yeah. yeah making okay. scarves and rugs and blankets and all Interesting. of that fabric. Do you knit? Is that, is that something I do not knit, that? but apparently that's the cool thing to do. So I'm going into all of these yarn shops and they have all kinds of knitting stuff and only mm-hmm. a couple of them really sort of support weaving. I mean, they have, you know, they will sell you yarn for whatever you want, but weaving seems to be not in right now for whatever reason. So huh. it's like when I was a rollerblader and everyone was a skateboarder, you know, like I would mm-hmm. show up in my rollerblades and everyone's skateboarding. So I show up and like, Hey, do you have any blah, 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 weaving thing. And like, well, no, but we have some yarn. Like, okay. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah I, knitting is a, is a very sort of soothing. I could see actually knitting being incredibly popular right now, but, you know, because of, you know, the pandemic reasons, the same reason why gaming and, you know, everything else that, that is, you know, meditative and keeps and keeps people entertained at home. But, um, but yeah, I could knitting, see knitting. I highly I recommend see, checking out. I could see it being like a, a fidget spinner, right? I mean, like to keep mm. yeah, like very, while I'm doing just, something yeah. else. I don't think I could just knit. I I, I don't personally. Well, the nice thing about it, I, I can see what the appeal because there's not a, as much of an upfront cost to get started. You get a couple of knitting needles and some yarn and some know-how yeah. and you're good to go. You know, like for example, for me to start a weaving, even what I got was a relatively inexpensive loom compared to like the floor models that are the size of an upright piano, you know, mm. things like that. And even then it's, you know, you're, you're, you're a couple hundred dollars in before you're even getting started. So I can see why it's super popular and because you can just sit there two needles and, and go to town. Yeah, and you can make a scarf. Make Crocheting. A scarf. It's just one. Hook. And then you get, That's and then right. you can explore the nerdiness of different types of yarn because that once you start getting into it, you, you really start to appreciate and learn you know, why, why certain types of yarn are so valued and, and, and wonderful and soft and comfortable. And oh, I just, um, I, I've been yeah. diving into that too. That's part of this learning process yeah. of weaving is I've, I've started to get an education in the yarn. It's super fascinating. Now I'm not yet um, getting into spinning. Uh, we'll see, check back in, in a couple of months or a year and see if I get do into you own sheep yet. <laughs> I, I do not, the, not enough property okay. um, is at least one reason for that. So <laughs> But there's plenty of sheep around. In fact, I, in fact, one of the stores, I, one of my yarn shops has yarn that's made less than 50 miles away from the shop. Oh. So, yeah. So while, cool. while we've gone down this path, what else are we nerdy about? Let's talk about that. I'm kind oh, of man. interested to think. I mean, I, I know a lot of what y'all are nerdy about, but I feel like there are some things that I've either forgotten or don't know. And maybe I, some things yeah. that our listeners might be interested in. I, so I'm nerdy about photography. I mean, uh, but that's not interesting. And radio, <laughs> radio towers. Oh, yeah. Well, that, yeah, okay. That's, that's, the, it's not making uh, anything, but it's, no, it's it not, is, well, it, in a way it is. So what, um, uh, 
the writer John McPhee, who's the best nonfiction writer ever, has this great one-liner. He says, compulsions are easy to come by and hard to explain. And, you know, one of mine since I was a kid has been uh, radio and radio, radio transmitters and towers and uh, antennas and things like that, because that's where it comes from. That's where the waves come from. And, and I came from being a kid looking out my window and seeing all the towers that transmitted New York AM signals to the world. And, um, but now I photograph these things because they're, they're dying off. They're going away. It, it's, it's cura it's curatorial, I guess. I, I want to shoot these things. Like I'm going to Louisville this weekend and where we're going to go check out the bourbon museums and, and do a wine tour, like a do a bourbon tour while we're hey, there. Take pictures because you won't remember. <laughs> yeah, I, no, no, well, I, well, of course, I'm, do, Joyce will be my designated drinker. I'm, yeah. I'm just going to observe, but I'll, I'll definitely take pictures, which I do. I do add two pictures of everything anyway, but, um, but while I'm, while I'm there on, before I pick her up, because it'll bore her ass off if I do it well, she actually wouldn't even let me do it, I'm sure, because, hey, stop, let me shoot this tower. You know, she's not going to like that. Um, but I'll, um, I'll, I'll, uh, I'm going to shoot some on the way in because, uh, because they're going away. They're, it's a matter of time before AM radio is, is clear cut like an old forest, you know, and, mm -hmm. uh, and FM not far behind it. Now, have, so, you, have you seen the Ken Burns country music documentary? I no, I want to. It, I'm sure it, it talks about WSM. Yeah, it has a whole section that sort of that talks about the dramatic change in music and the industry and everything else related to the fact that radio towers and the the extension of their range and yeah. and the battles over power output and wattage that changed, you know, where these programs were were listened to and everything. It's fascinating. Yeah, and if you ever saw Coal Miner's Daughter, the movie Coal Miner's Daughter, um the, the way that uh, Loretta Lynn and her husband got their music distributed, they'd drive around the countryside, they'd see a tower, and they'd drive up to it. And in those days, especially in the small towns, the studio was right at the, at the, at the transmitter location. And they'd go inside and give their record to the disc jockey and hope they played it, you know, that, because you could do that back in those days. You know, all these things were signifiers. But yeah, country music was made by radio entirely. I mean, it, it was a huge thing. WSM was the big one in the middle of it. It was called a, a clear channel station, clear channel meant there was nothing else on that frequency at night. And it light all over the Southeast and even into the Midwest, you could pick up WSM every night. And there it was and playing the Grand Old Opry. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a big deal. Do you have nerdy hobbies, Catherine? Oh yeah, I'm nerdy about well, I'm nerdy about wine. I just talked about that. Um, I have a couple wine certifications, but I haven't gotten into the really more sophisticated ones because, well, I have imposter syndrome. I mean, that's a whole thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm nervous. I'm nervous, nervous about taking a tasting exam. Although everybody I've learned from and uh, it says that I'm actually really good at tasting and, and I, you know, smelling and all of those things, but it makes me nervous. So you I mean the super tasting thing? I mean, maybe no, not that. The there's a, there for wine certain wine certifications. You have to have a tasting oh. exam, like a blind tasting. You don't wow. know what you're drinking, and and you have to right. write tasting is notes. This you have red, to be able to pick white. up, you know, primary and yeah. secondary and tertiary aromas and flavors and all this stuff, and you know, guess roughly how old it is and get you know. This that would taste like so, vinyl and foot. <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of Band-Aid. I mean, that's a thing. Um, Horse blanket. Lafroy tastes yeah. like Band-Aids. <laughs> Horse blanket. Oh yeah, it totally does. 
but um but yeah so i'm i'm, I'm kind of nerdy about i'm pretty nerdy about that but the one that this that might surprise people is that i'm very nerdy about antique ceramics <laughs> hmm. like that's yeah cool. that's that's a thing i'm really into especially um european chinoiserie is a favorite of mine and the the china trade of the you know the dutch and and british china trade and you know the how it relates to now, commerce the, of the 17th and 18th centuries and 19th and anyway i'm super into all that stuff have you watched German the pottery. pottery have you watched the great pottery throwdown oh my god i love that show <laughs> so good i love that show even if i wasn't into pottery though i think i would love that show so i wasn't until i watched it and then i kind of wanted to get into pottery um yeah i mean it's a different it's a totally different kind i i don't know that much about modern ceramic making um you know i could tell you all about you know how butger discovered porcelain making in you know 17 something or whatever it was in Germany, but I don't know that much about what people are actually doing today. Um, but uh, but yeah, I love that show. I think it's so good. I still follow a bunch of the potters on Instagram because they're so talented. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that is yeah. Cool. They make some really crazy stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, oh yeah, that's, the, you know, we talked about knitting and, and, and yarn and stuff. You know, I, I could get nerdy and i know a lot of other people who get super nerdy about clay i went i once went on a i was actually in a ceramics history symposium many years ago and we went on a tour to i think it was RISD. we were in maybe newport and we went in their ceramics facility and they have these like drawers and drawers full of exotic clay and it's the most amazing thing because like to somebody if you get nerdy about like just anything like that just having just this massive assortment of things i don't know so this is a weird thing but it's this, it's probably the same sensation of going into like a yarn superstore or <laughs> it's like just the variety of of materials is is weirdly exciting it's, i guess that's how i would leave it yeah, yeah. anyway cool stuff that's what mine i'm talking about mine are generally computer related i i don't want to do yarn or ceramics i kind of feel bad now I mean, mine are like um, microphones. I have, I really like audio equipment. I have a oh, shameful cool. amount of microphones. Like, I can, I have opinions on microphones and microphone yeah, like types and microphone closet interfaces. audio engineer. I have so Not many so closet. microphones. Ugh, yeah, and um, home automation, but mm. not cloud based. That really, I do not like all of the cloud based home automation stuff, and so things like. Home Assistant, oh, I just love Home Assistant because it's all like open source, runs out of your home, doesn't have to leave your network and still automate stuff. You know, like when I walk into my office, all these lights come on and as long as I keep moving, they stay on. And when I leave, uh, the motion sensor that you can't see out of frame shuts my lights off so that I save electricity and stuff. That stuff fascinates me. That's great. I love everything about what you just said. Yeah. Home automation without the creepy part of it yes beautiful decreeped i like it it's cool it's so kyle what do you want to tell us about your nerdy hobbies because i know you have a lot of them yeah a lot of them are really cool too so i i've already mentioned that i'm gonna start out with weaving and i believe i got into weaving partially i never quite know exactly what spawns this sort of thing but i think one of the reasons i got into weaving um is because of my 
previous new hobby, which is collecting um, mechanical calculators, which we talked about. But in part, what I realized later on after I bought the loom and I was trying to trace back, why do I want to weave so badly? What is it about this? Uh, and I started thinking about this and I was reminded of when I was doing my research on mechanical calculators, when I was getting really nerdy about that, I came across a description of the Jacquard loom, which is this loom that was made in the uh, 18th century that was automated and used punch cards to select uh, really complex, it can make really complex patterns, uh, weave really complex patterns and it used punch cards. And it was um, the inspiration 200 years later for the punch card computer. They basically cribbed off of the this Jacquard loom to do that. Mm -hmm. And I, I came across that when I was doing this research. And I think that planted the seed in the back of my mind about the relationship between computers and weaving. Um, yeah, that makes that a then, lot of sense actually. Yeah. So I, Really nerdy about that. I get particularly nerdy about history. It just sort of started when I got really into uh, World War I history and then wanted to find out what happened before that to help explain what happened then. And then that just kind of goes back in time and back in time and back in time until now I'm reading, I'm reading through the history of civilization by Durant, which is like a 12 volume oh. set that starts at the beginning of civilization. And goes through like right now I'm in the third volume, which is about the you know the the peak of the Roman civilization at the you know uh, about two thousand years ago, uh, and so and but but before that the the previous volume did cover it had a whole section on on um, ancient Chinese pottery, which is really fascinating to read about because his his take on all of that. So I got get really nerdy about history. Um, I got really nerdy about playing the banjo. It's not just learning how to play the instrument, but kind of digging into all of the history behind it and why all of that stuff works. Um, 3D printing, beer. I get very nerdy about making beer, and you know all of the what all of the chemistry behind it. I was when I was driving a long way to work, I would listen to this podcast that dove into all of the chemistry and science behind what makes beer work, and absorbed a lot of that in these long drives I was on. So that's just sort of floating around in my brain when I'm making new batches of beer. Um, that's cool I never did get my uh, beer judging certification COVID happened and got in the way that, that, that was like Cicerone is that a Cicerone or no, no I was doing what? BJCP it was a craft beer judging credential so yeah you you could you would have a certification for I mean I've judged actually I've actually judged craft beer competitions without the certification but having a certification is nice um but yeah, it's funny because I don't brew beer or make a, or even drink a lot of beer, but I got super nerdy about it because a friend was, and, and it's, again, it's the chemistry of it. And, and you start, uh, the, the, the best class of the entire thing was this one where we, we studied off flavors and did things like we would have a pitcher of very generic beer and then drop a bunch of nails in it and taste it. And then like drop some canned corn in it and taste it so that you really start to understand flaws and stuff. But yeah, so it's just that it's it's the, the the pursuit of knowledge for for its own sake, really. I think, and that's that's the common thread here. Oh, I speaking don't... of common thread, oh. no pun intended, with you know <laughs> weaving. But the jacquard loom, the, the L I know about jacquard looms and textile stuff is because it's very intertwined with like intertwined. the 19th century. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, the 19th century sort of industrial revolution. Uh, as it relates to pottery. So all of those things were actually uh, interconnected and 
very uh, and somewhat related. And that is, it's kind of funny how all of these things just fit together so nicely in Chinese pottery. Like I think your average person would have no clue how significant Chinese pottery is in the history of the world and the trade of it and all of that stuff. But yeah, anyway, I digress. So you were going to say something. Huh? Oh, I was just going to say that. I mean, it's, it's a different topic now, but just that no, Kyle, no, it's all good. Kyle tried for like several years to help me find a beer that I liked and the closest we ever got was a beer that i hated less than other beers i think is ah, the best what was it um so actually newcastle brown ale i can drink mm. and not wish i was drinking something else like i'm okay oh, I'm drinking that one. I, I that's my if i had to say at my favorite beer it's you know it's newcastle brown ale but it's kind of like what's your favorite body part to be punched in i still don't really <laughs> like it you know it, <laughs> Mine yeah. is Anderson Valley Oatmeal Stout. Ooh, that's well, I've not tasted in a long time, but it's a California stout. And uh, this goes back, I mean, I last tasted it, I have to say, to say this, in 1994 when it was served at the bar that uh, Joyce and her brother-in-law co-owned in San Jose. And it was great, the Shark and Rose. Uh, but I, I like stouts. I like... I like uh, sturdy beers dark sturdy beers mm, me too yeah. like, and but I, I also like the in, multi-english stuff which is apparently not really the american palate in the u.s everybody's all about hops and whatever but that's I'm one reason i brew though is uh, there's all kinds of beers i want to drink that are hard to buy yeah. if you especially in, if you just go to a grocery store or things like that like right now it's just wall of ipas like i can have you can have any yeah. any any beer type as long as it's ipa uh, yes. so, so I, I end up brewing a lot just because I want to brew a style that I can't buy. Um, so yeah, yeah. I totally get that. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot are hard to find. So Kyle, there, you, you'll be able to think of it. It's a, it was a bottle and it had a bubble gum flavor and it was kind of a short little bottle. It was an import. Um, it's like Bel sounds Belgian. Yep. Yep. It was something. Oh. Was it like a Duvel or was it, um, oh, that's uh, good stuff. Le Chouf or might have been Duval. Uh, Duval. It was like a short, chunky bottle, but had the the bubblegum overtone was what I, I remember. And yeah. I didn't I didn't hate it. I didn't buy it again because you know it was still beer. <laughs> well, yeah. next time we're all in the same place. I think we should we should continue to pursue this uh you could try as long as I get to also order some bourbon because um <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. You should be there's a lot of good beer out in Louisville. There. I disagree, Catherine. <laughs> I disagree that there's a well, lot. Well, but of as, beer as, out so there. I, I am not a beer drinker. That's so I'm not particularly a beer drinker. But after taking this class and literally trying every style available, like literally any in every classification that exists, yeah. and uh, you know they're so. Kyle different. and I tried. Kyle had me try a lot of beers. Yeah, but this was weeks. <laughs> could, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we need be. to spend I mean, more time. Maybe. Maybe so. I mean, I get out my book and check them off category. I could judge a beer contest right now. I would just be like, this sucks and this sucks and this sucks and this sucks. Yeah. What's wrong with this? The flavor? What's wrong with this one? Also, the flavor? Oh, was it was it Chimay that I had you have? Chimay, does that sound right? Again, I bought so many beers on your recommendation, Kyle, that it's hard to say. Yeah, it's been a while too. Yeah. Duvel. Duvel really sounded familiar. Yeah. Good too. Have you had Golden Drock? I just put that in the chat. G U L D E N D R A A K. Golden Drock. It means golden dragon. 
It does look familiar. I have, it's, but it's, it, I don't remember right now. Yeah, there's a um, uh, there's a restaurant that serves. Uh, it's basically a German restaurant, but it's called the Dutch Garden because it, it actually dates from the 30s or 40s, and they didn't want to say German during World War II, so they called it the That's Dutch funny. Garden. But they serve uh, German food there, and they have this, um, which they serve on the table. It's really good. See, it used that. to be Deutsch Garden, but then they tried to make yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. It was Deutsch Garden. I mean, it was going <laughs> to be Dutch Garden. Garden. No, 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 it was Dutch Garden. <laughs> yeah, Dutch Garden. Yeah. Mm, add this to my list. Sorry, that was my. Yeah, yeah, that was my <laughs> oh, <Sorry. laughs> what was that? That was great. Um, thanks for that. I enjoyed that. Uh, so, yeah, so I think we're, we, we're probably coming up on an hour. Um, so for, for those, does anybody have any parting words before I start, you know, my whole wrap up the goodbyes. scenario? Um, um, learn how to, it's, it's very exciting to learn how to repair things. It feels yeah. very empowering. And I would encourage everyone that has something that that's broken um, to try to figure out, at least poke around and try to try to fix it. It's, yeah. If anybody so out things. there, if anybody out there ever had a Mac cracker, you're so cool. You and I are the only people that think that's cool, but hey, I'm with you, whoever you are. Yeah. <laughs> like, and whoever like, you are, I remember you know, reach out crackers. to us with your own yeah, stories. Okay. We want to hear them. I yeah, really would like remembers. it if somebody would email us with their, their cool um, either repair story or frankly, tweet at us, write us, tell us about your nerdy hobbies. I would really, really like to know what people yeah. who are listening. Oh, are oh classic shaving. Like safety razor and straight oh. razor shaving, that's another rabbit hole I dove down and then still also diving. tried to help me figure that out and I never did anything but cut myself. So yeah. Oh yeah. Poor Sean. I know. <laughs> Just sure. suck at everything. Oh, speaking of shaving, your your mustache is gone. It is, yeah. So it turned out it was always horrible and I <laughs> made myself keep it long <laughs> enough to make sure that it wasn't gonna grow in and be nice. It never yeah. did. So I very oh. much shaved it off and everybody rejoiced. <laughs> Yeah, looks good either way. Um, so yeah, so everyone, please share share your stories with us because we enjoy hearing them. And uh, we here in the U.S. have some holidays coming up, so you will probably not hear from us next week. We'll have a couple more episodes before the end of the year, but then I think we're going to take a little break because we need it, and we'll be back in the new year. We have some interesting guests lined up. Thank you to all of those awesome people who have reached out to us uh, along those lines and and yeah so happy everything get nerdy if you're a if you're a drinker i hope you'll uh, you're inspired to make yourself a cool cocktail and you'll pick up a copy of that book and until next time <laughs>